Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I am your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Today, I'm choosing a slightly different format from what I usually use. We're going to talk about immigration and the immigrant experience. I'd like to share my story with all of you today and to talk about what the experience was like for me. While I can't make generalized statements for all immigrants, I can certainly speak to what my journey has been like and my thoughts about it. So to help me share this story, I've enlisted the help of a friend and memoir writer, Andrew Zanton. Some of you might remember Andrew from a show I did on the art of writing memoir a few weeks back. Welcome, Andrew, and thank you for having this conversation with me. Thank you, Vidisha. Thank you for welcoming me to your show. <laughs> Great. Well, I am ready for you to ask me the questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess I'll just start with immigration as a general issue. I mean, this is a fascinating time. Um, we're clearly a nation built on immigration, have had extraordinary contributions from immigrants from the very beginning and even before we were a country. At the same time, the, the President of the United States has made a lot of hay by saying that there are too many immigrants and they're, they're the wrong skin color. And even after uh, Donald J. Trump is long gone, there will be a significant number of people who believe that that is true, that immigrants are taking their jobs, their livelihoods, and so on. So I think this is an important program to do. And I should just say at the beginning, I'm extremely pro-immigrant. Um, I think that, that what immigrants bring to this country far, far outweighs any negatives that there might be. But I wondered if we could just start with, why do you think, to the extent that you can think broadly about this. Why do immigrants come in the first place? What, what is it that draws them to the United States? Well, I think going back decades, really, the United States, and, um, and I will speak especially from the Indian perspective, the United States was considered the land of opportunity. And it was a place where you could go to further your education, to further your life experience, to expand, that really anything was possible if you were willing to work hard and you were willing to um, sacrifice whatever needed to be sacrificed. This was a place where there was the freedom to do those things. And I think in many ways, I don't know about other countries, but I feel as if there are other countries around the world where that impression of the United States has held true. I think it's probably mm -hmm. changing now just based on what's happening right. in the current climate. But um, as a general rule, I think that's, I, I see it as the land of opportunity. How would you say Indians felt uh, the United States may have been different from Britain? Obviously, there's the colonial connection with Britain for better or for worse. But how would you compare the two if a Indian in 1955 was, or 1965 was thinking about coming to either Britain or the United States? How, what would be the pluses and minuses of those? Well, I guess there was more familiarity with the British. So I know, for example, my father and 
his brothers, both of his brothers, as well as my uncles from my mother's side of the family, went to England. They went there for education. They went there to work. Um, mm -hmm. But this coming to the U.S., I think, especially from my father's perspective, I think it was more about um, open-mindedness, that there was more opportunity to think outside the box, to try something different, that there was more flexibility, perhaps. Um, the Indian educational system was based on the British educational system, and that seemed much more tracked. And so you mm -hmm. decided at a young age what you wanted to do, and you carried on from there. And at the time, the US system wasn't that way, or it didn't appear to be that way. Um, and it was something right. well, new and different, which makes it exciting. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Tell us t a little bit about your parents, their names and some of their best qualities. Just, just for a listener who has never met your parents, tell us a little bit about them and um, give, give, them, give us some of their best. <laughs> well, let's see. So my father, Makran Vanilal Dehejia, is um, he's still alive and healthy, and he is, I consider him to be um, my hero in many ways. He's an incredibly mm -hmm. intelligent man, very motivated, very determined. At a young age, he went off to England on his own, so I find him to be courageous as well. Um, he went there to study, and he's the kind of person who's always looking for something more, a different way to look at problems, a different way to look at opportunities. He tries different things. Very open-minded in that regard. Mm -hmm. So it's um, sort of an ideal temperament for an immigrant, it sounds. Yes, definitely an ideal temperament for an immigrant. Um, and, not, and so not willing to take a risk. I mean, sorry, willing to take a risk, I should say. Um, right. And my mother is no longer alive. She passed away when I was 14. Um, her name was Nina Makrandehegia. And she was an obstetrician and a gynecologist. And she, too, was a very intelligent woman, very determined, um, motivated as well. She felt strongly about becoming a physician and... She wanted to help others and take care of others, and she did that um, throughout her short life. And she wasn't as eager to come to the United States, from what I remember. For okay. her, um, she was very close to her family, as was my father, but my mother seemed more tied to wanting to stay in India and be with her friends and family right there and raise the family in India. She didn't, she wanted us to retain our values and our sense of culture. And so while she was, she did come to the US and we all came together, I don't think, I think she was a little bit more hesitant to do that. Okay. But I'd say uh, my mother was a very warm and nurturing person. I have um, wonderful memories of a childhood filled with lots of love and warmth from both my parents. Great. And how old were you when you came to the United States? So I was about just about four years old and my brother was just about six and a half, seven. 
uh, when our parents decided to make the move to come here? So then most of your memories are from the United States or, or from the time after you moved here. I'm just curious how vividly you remember anything from the years before you came. Well, so it's it's interesting because I have a few memories that I believe are from before we came to the U.S., but I'm not entirely sure if that they are from before or just after because um, we would go back to India every year. And so even when we moved here, every summer we would go back and spend uh, almost three months in India. So it's a little hard for me to tell, but I do have vivid memories of the apartment that we lived in, um, the, the different rooms, the people who were around us, um, and mm-hmm. mostly uh, sort of emotional memories and a few visuals. I'm just very curious about how easy or hard it is for you, or or you could speak more generally about immigrants, do you think, to be part of two cultures? Did it make it harder to become an American that you were taking these frequent trips uh, for months at a time back to India? So I think that in one way, that was the only life we knew. And I often wonder that about how people grow up. If if that's the only thing you know, whatever your family chooses to do, um, right. then you don't really know if it's hard or not. So from the time we moved here, we would go back, uh, my mother, my brother, and I would go back to India in the summer for the whole summer. And then my father would come when, with, for as long as he could, based on how much vacation time he could get, which must not have been a lot of vacation time. But we never really felt that deprived of having spent time with him. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only say that now as a parent and having raised two children of my own, that um, it must be because we didn't know it, know any other way that we didn't, we didn't really question it or we didn't think it was that hard, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we got older and perhaps when we were in middle school and those pre-adolescent and adolescent ages, when we started to notice how we might have been a little different from others, that we might have questioned it. But by then, we were so in, so in tune with this back and forth and merging of two cultures that there, there was probably a little bit of frustration, but it wasn't as much as it could have been. Did you ever feel that other Americans with, with lighter skin looked at looked down at you in some way as a child that felt that Indian Americans shouldn't be in this country or, or was that not a feature of your childhood? Well, it's interesting because you and I both had the the joy of having an amazing Quaker education. And I think I give a lot of credit to the school that we never felt mm-hmm. as if we were different because the school we went to didn't seem to be an issue. Um, so my brother and I are, were both vegetarian, and um, the school had a system of having, if you remember, a sit-down lunch every single day, a hot lunch. I do so, remember, yes. 
Um, every day I would go into the kitchen and somebody from the kitchen would have made a, a special meal for me, which I would then bring back to the table and eat sitting with everybody else. But I ate my special vegetarian meal and I don't remember anyone commenting negatively on the fact that I had a special meal or that it was different from everybody else's. So uh -huh. I, I give a, a lot of credit to how the school instilled values in all of its students and faculty and administration um, that, that I could grow up in that environment and feel completely comfortable. And on the streets, in the airport, in the train station, never from a total stranger, never got a sense of you, you were the other, you were to be looked down on ever? I don't remember those feelings. Um, I, there was, I think there might have been occasion, again, it would have happened when I was a little bit older, but by then, um, my mother was, was sick for a couple of years before she passed away, and so we were so caught right. up in that that we didn't, I don't know that we focused so much on it, but I suppose there might have been occasion when my, my mother always wore a sari. She never wore um, Western clothes, and so right. um, there might have been occasion when people looked at us slightly differently, but I don't, from childhood, I don't remember noticing the differences that much. Uh-huh. Well, the sari is an interesting uh, thing to explore a little bit. You presumably had saris that you would wear for formal occasions, but my recollection of you is that you wore American-style clothes. Um, I, so was that a normal adjustment? Did your mother feel some disappointment that her uh, beautiful daughter wasn't wearing the beautiful traditional clothes? Well, I think um, as a young child, it was pretty normal to be wearing the Western clothes. and um, when we got dressed up to go to an event, like an Indian event or something, then there would be occasion to wear Indian clothes. But we didn't have that many of those events. When I was in India, and even now when I go to India, I wear my Indian clothes. Um, I uh -huh. hardly wear Western clothes in India. Um, but in the U.S., and actually now as an adult in the U.S., when I go out, I tend to wear Indian clothes to formal events, and I wear Western clothes otherwise. Um, and I think so it's like a bilingual in clothes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And I, if I remember correctly, my mother, in her upbringing, she traveled a lot through um, Europe with her parents, and she wore Western clothes too as a youngster. It seems after she got married, I think, that she um, wore only Indian clothes. Uh-huh. And then sometime in your 20s, I think, you moved back to India and spent a couple of years there. I'm curious about what you might have learned from that, what that was like. So I think what happened there is that when I went to college, that was actually in college that I realized that I was different. And I started to explore more about being Indian and what that meant, that it wasn't just wearing the clothes or just eating the food. And so I think that is what inspired me to want to move back to India. So during my college years, after losing my mother, after leaving home, I started to question more about 
the whole Indian experience. And I was always very close to my relatives and especially my two grandmothers, and I would spend a lot of time with them. And um, so I think that inspired me. And at this point, I'm actually going to say that we go to a commercial break. So please stay okay. tuned and we will be back. I'm talking about the immigrant experience. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel talking to Andrew Zanton. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm enlisting the help of my friend and author, Andrew Zanton, to talk about the immigrant experience. Yeah, and Vidisha, just before we stop, you were in the middle of a reflection about what evolved in you during college, and specifically your sense that you, a realization that it means something to be Indian American, and you were interested in exploring that more. Yeah, exactly. So um, I actually, when I was at college, I had my first experience. I was wearing my Indian clothes, and somebody stopped me in the middle of the main lawn where I was at college and sort of stared at me and left me feeling incredibly uncomfortable and questioned something about what I was wearing. And I think that instilled in me this um, 
just this question of, you know, wow, am I really that different? Do I look that different? I have, you know, I've lived here for years. As if you were something exotic, as if you were something that was a exotic object or? It was sort of a, um, I guess it was some type of a curiosity, but not necessarily in a positive light. It mm-hmm. made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. I, maybe it was that they thought I was exotic. I don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. But I was with a friend, and I remember the friend thinking, how dare they look at you like that? And maybe it was the friend's reaction that got me thinking about it as well. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's a period of life where there's such a, you know, fierce intelligence. And then there's, of course, the critical inquiry that comes with taking a whole load of college courses. Um, So it's natural to kind of look at ourselves and and the way we are received in the world um, in a deeper, fiercer sort of way. Yeah. Uh, I'm very sorry that happened to you, obviously. Well, honestly, I think it was, it it sort of... um opened up a new world for me. Uh, the other thing that happened was I, I met international students that were truly international students that had come from countries all over the world. And I was really intrigued by how they maintained their culture, but they were also Western as well. And I started thinking about this possibility of, being both and maybe being more aware of who I was and um, looking at my values and trying to understand for myself, where did those values come from? Did they come from just my family upbringing? Did they come from the Western culture, the Eastern culture? Clearly, it was a combination. Um, But I started just having those conversations with myself and with others and that's what prompted me uh, several years later to want to go back to India and live there um, sort of full time. Because what, I've, what I also came to realize was that I was really a visitor in India. Um, and this was mm-hmm. something I struggled with because I consider myself to be Indian. And yet I would go to India and everyone would say, uh, oh, you have an American accent, or oh, you wear right. clothes like an American, and it used to really bother me. And so um, I thought, well, I want to go back and live there and prove to myself that, yes, I am Indian, whatever that means. And so I did go back and live there in my um, mid-20s. I got myself a job, and I bought myself a car and uh, lived and worked there for a while. And I'm curious what your father's reaction to that was or to other uh, Indians who are not in in your family who are not in India. Did they think that was a wonderful thing to do or were they sort of baffled about why you would want to move back? Well, I think my father especially, but most everybody thought that I had lost my mind because this was in the (laughs) 80s. and. In the 80s, there was still very much this desire for Indians to move to the West and to move to America. And it was, everybody was looking westward and here I was looking eastward and it made no sense. Um, But I, 
inherited, I think, some of that uh, determination from both my parents. And Mm -hmm. I moved to India. And my father is always very supportive of what I choose to do, whether he agrees with it or not, but he does support me. So he did support me in moving back, but he was also very clear that should I ever want to come back to the U.S., it would be totally fine. And he seemed to think that this was just a phase that I was going through in my life. So um, maybe he humored me in that <laughs> in that venture. Um, well, it's interesting that to me that the the classic idea of immigration to the United States is that it's a it's very much a one way thing. Um, you know, if you think of the Emma Lazarus poem on the Statue of Liberty, you know, it ends with your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, then these the homeless tempest tossed to me, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So it's it's a beautiful poem in a way, but it's there's a, an aspect of it that really denigrates the immigrant. You know, they are the, the wretched. Um, they're sort of washing up on the shore, desperate to be here. Right. Um, it doesn't give a sense of somebody honoring their own country, um, coming with some means, coming with some abilities and flexibility and, and interested in returning. So I just think that that's an interesting, or, or think of the phrase, the melting pot. You know, you come and you get melted here. Right. Um, you don't seem to me like someone who's melted at all. You know, you you have you you retain a good deal of the the Indian quality of your family as as you should. But it's just it's interesting that the the classic phrases or terms in which Americans are taught to think about immigration don't necessarily match with immigrant experience. Well, and that actually brings up um, different types of immigrants, and so there are various categories and. Two big ones that I think of, I see immigrants who come to the, from other countries to the U.S. who um, come without looking back. So they put everything right. behind them and they come here. Uh, they totally adopt the ways of Western culture and they sort of forget everything about where they came from. And then there's another category I find of immigrants who who come and they leave everything behind, but they retain all the characteristics of their culture in a small community. So they come to this country and then they all live near each other. They continue to speak their native language and eat the native food, and but they are living right. in the U.S. And then when I look at my family. I feel like my parents taught us to come to this country and explore the benefits of being here and still retain where we came from. And so we sort of blended the two cultures. And so as I look back, I feel very fortunate because I feel as if I've had um, almost the best of both worlds. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of that comes from having the capability. I mean, I don't think that all the immigrants who come to this country are, have the, the capability of traveling back to where they came from. It's just, it's often not financially feasible. Um, and right. we, we were very fortunate to have the opportunity to go back. Um, and perhaps having 
the one parent who really wanted to come here and the other parent who really wanted us to retain our heritage helped as well in blending who we became. In that sense, your family is sort of symbolic of the two sides of the immigrant experience, uh, your mother's mixed feelings and your, your father's drive to do so, uh, kind of the two sides of the coin. Yes, yes. And, and that's not to say that my, I mean, my father is also very traditionally Indian in many ways as well. And um, so it's, it's not that he completely left that behind, but um, he was more forward or westward facing. And my mother was maybe a little bit more eastward facing in the process. Mm-hmm. I'm just going back in my mind to the, the idea of identity um, and what United States identity would be. You and I are the same age. So I remember the late 60s, early 70s as being a quite turbulent time. Uh, America embroiled in an unpopular Vietnam War. Um, lots of people protesting in the streets. Um, major assassinations, uh, including Dr. King and Robert Kennedy. Right. Um, so it was a time as a little child that was confusing. It was um, uncertain. It was troubling. Um, and I got a sense, even though obviously I was shielded from a lot of it, um, I was living in Washington, D.C., in the as you were in the sort of seat of the national government. A lot of people around were involved in politics or government. And my, my parents at least, uh, you know, were really worried about the sort of American system. Um, could our politics really contain all of this anger? Uh, could our politics find a way to get out of the Vietnam War? Uh, were assassinations gonna just be a regular feature that are some of our best men and women w- would be gunned down in the street? So I'm just curious, any memories that you may have had, even going up to the, the Watergate period where President of the United States had to resign his office, was there a sense that the United States was in some trouble when you were young? Did you feel that that in some way inhibited you from kind of claiming United States identity? Well, so I think I was pretty sheltered in terms of the politics Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember all those things happening, but I don't remember my parents being vehemently, um, opposed or for anything. Um, I don't, re- I don't remember a lot of those conversations. I think conversations around our dinner table were more about education and, and what mm-hmm. we were doing in school and, Mm-hmm. Topics like that. Um, I remember going to the White House um, when Indira Gandhi came. I mm-hmm. believe we were in fourth grade. And um, I remember being there and being dressed in my Indian clothes and being very proud of it. Um, I'm sure it was controversial, but I don't have those recollections of it. And Watergate, I remember Watergate very well. But again, it was as if um, it was something that was happening, but I was shielded from it. But did you feel this is my country that this is happening in? Or no. did you feel more like a, a visitor, a interested visitor? You know, I growing up, I always felt 
as if I was an Indian living in America. I did not consider myself to be an American. I actually didn't become an American citizen until um, 15 years ago. Um, and I've lived in this country for a long time. Um, uh-huh. I was, so I, I considered myself to be an Indian. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, I guess, what I was getting at. It would be hard for me to, to really feel deeply part of two countries at the same time. Um, but perhaps for some it's not, and I think that's probably a very individual decision. Yeah, and so I, I, that's actually a great point, because I often talk about this blending of the two cultures and being from two different places, but I, I think deep down, I still feel like I'm, I'm Indian, I'm from India, whereas my kids might say that they are American of Indian origin, if they would say that. Um, but I, even now, if somebody asks me where I'm from, I will say I'm originally from India. And so that's what my, that's who I am. Yeah. Well, and it, it might take an entire segment, but it, I would love to talk about marriage. Um, how do immigrants marry? How important is it to immigrants to marry um, people of their same background? Do you want to let, let's get into talk. that a little bit or do you want to wait till the next segment? No, let's, we can start with that. And, and I have to say, I think it's um, personal in terms of how immigrants look at that. And I can, again, only speak from my limited experience with myself and other immigrants that I know, uh, where they found it, some have found it necessary that to marry somebody from the same place where they're from. Um, what sort of messages did you get from your parents, especially your mother, about what she was hoping for in love? If you'd felt deeply in love with uh, an Anglo person at, at Sidwell Friends School, um, would that have been just fine with your parents or would there have been some regret that you were moving to select somebody outside of the, your culture? Well, so I was, I was 14 when my mother died and I was 12 when she got sick. So I'm not sure about, well, I should say we never had those conversations. Um, okay. I feel that she would have supported me in whatever I chose to do. Um, my father, I think, was also pretty supportive of choices that I might make. And at this point, again, I'm just going to say, let's go to a short commercial break before we really get into it. Um, And when we come back in the last segment, we will. So don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more about one version of the immigrant experience. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. 
It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drv4kids at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear any questions or comments you might have. I'm here talking about my personal immigration experience and general thoughts on immigration with friend and author, Andrew Zanton. Yeah, and Vidisha, thank you. We were just talking before the break about uh, the fascinating topic of marriage. Um, I'm interested in what it meant to you personally, but also re- reflections you might have about what marriage means to an immigrant in general, and it's specifically how much pressure they do feel, should feel, uh, to marry and have children with someone of their same background. So I think um, for me, I felt that I wanted to marry somebody who was from India. It was important to me because like my mother wanted to maintain our heritage and she wanted us to remember where we came from. I, and maybe it was because she died when I was young, but I just felt this need to continue in that vein. And I felt that it would be easier to marry somebody from India because that way they would have an understanding of who I was because we would have that shared experience. Um, And so I think, so for me, that was important. And I'm not so sure about all immigrants. I have various cousins who also grew up in the U.S. um, who have not married Indians and they're very happy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's also interesting because looking backwards now I can say that just because you marry somebody from the same culture doesn't mean that you necessarily have the same values because we're still individuals. And so I have um, cousins who've married people who are in some ways much more Indian than some of us who consider ourselves to be Indian. Um, And so it's, it's really interesting it's interesting to see how, how it all turns out. 
Would you say that there are fundamental Indian values which differ from what Americans would say are fundamental American values? What are some of the the ways in which Indian culture is different? I would have thought so, or I did think so when I was in my 20s and 30s, and I'm not so sure that I, I necessarily think so now, but I know for me, family was very important, and um, that family, not just the immediate family, but the generation before me, the, um, you know, my parents, my grandparents, uh, that they come and stay, that they, you know, they, we stay, we visit them and that it's very, that family came first. So whatever relatives needed or, you know, if we were visiting them, they were visiting us. Just that was really important. Um, my religion is important to me and the type of food we eat is important to me. So I now understand that that's, that's just an individual value. I mean, mm-hmm. many Indians feel that way, but I think men, many Americans feel that way and many Europeans feel that way. So it's, or Africans or whatever, it's not, um, it's not limited to any one culture. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could just share with us the story, the roundabout, charming roundabout way that you ended up meeting Ashwin Patel, your husband. So I, I met Ashwin, um, it was a roundabout way. I had, as I said, I did go back to India and I was living and working there. And I got acceptance into business school in the US and decided to come back to go to business school with the full intention of going back to India when I finished, because I was very happy living in India, and I thought that that's where I would stay for the rest of my life. And um, within the first month or so of business school, I was in the library, and an Indian man came up to me and invited me for coffee, and I was a little taken aback because my mind was one focused on just finishing, starting and finishing my business school degree and going right. back to India. And the other was, there was a strange man asking me for coffee and I noticed he had a wedding band on. Um, so I did talk to him so as not to be rude. And he basically said that he realized I was new to the business school and I probably didn't know a lot of people and he and his wife wanted to invite me to their house for dinner. And initially I declined the invitation and after several Mm -hmm. attempts, I decided I better say yes because it was rude not to. And when I went to this dinner, my now husband was also at the dinner with a host of other people and the man that I had, who had approached me had basically set up the dinner so that I could meet Ashwin. And that's, that's how we met. And I had no idea that that's, that was um, the intention. Mm-hmm. But others were there. Uh, Ashwin was there, but others remained with you. You were not the only two there. No, right? we, we weren't yeah. the only two there, but everybody at this get together was from the business school, except for Ashwin, who was in his residency at the time. So he was in a uh-huh. different profession from the rest of us. So if I had thought about it, I might have realized that there was some 
reason why he was there, but I actually was oblivious to the whole thing until he called me a few weeks later, Ashwin, that is, and asked me out for dinner or something like that. So, uh-huh. Well, I'm just thinking of the way that your parents met where there was a setup as soon as they were in the same room, the, the whole rest of the family withdrew. So it, it's a slightly Americanized version. It's a, it's a way of seeing how the American culture has at least partly colored this. Um, exactly. Your meeting. Exactly. So my parents had what was in those days called a semi-arranged marriage. So it wasn't decided by their parents. parents that they would be married to each other but they were introduced and so they were given a choice Um, and both of my parents have described that meeting in pretty much the same way which is really interesting Um, how neither of them were interested in meeting anybody they were too involved with their own careers and not interested in getting married at that time and then they ultimately did get married. (laughs) But paradoxically, their lack of interest gave them a powerful thing in common. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, And I guess the interesting thing in my situation was that um, I had sort of given up on the thought that I would meet an Indian who was from the same part of India that I was and that I would be able to find them. I had just spent a year and a half living in India and hadn't really met anybody that interested me. Um, Could you just tell the listeners what what region of India is that? So um, I'm from the state of Gujarat, which is northwest of Bombay on the western coast of India. Okay. And um, so it was interesting that I would come all the way back to the U.S. to meet my husband who also is from the same part of India as I am. So we speak the same language and we have the same religion in common. Um, And, you know, a year and a half of being immersed in that culture and I didn't really meet anybody. So that was interesting. Interesting. And how old was Ashwin when he came to the United States? He He was about 11 when he moved to the U.S., and his parents had already been living in the U.S. by the time he came. His father had come first and then slowly. Sent for the rest of the family. Exactly, exactly. And when Ashwin came to the U.S., he didn't speak any English. He learned English by going to school, which wow. is, a, is challenging at the age of 11 because that's now middle school. And yeah. so it, it, was a, it was a completely different experience for him. So he had much more of an Indian childhood than you did. Yes. Yes, I would have to say he did. And um, when he was in India, he was mostly in India. When he was in the U.S., he was mostly in the U.S. His parents did not go back and forth to India the same way that my family did. So, mm-hmm. um, But he also had most of his relatives living within 10 to 15 minutes of each other um, in the U.S. So they had a really strong, they still do have a very strong support system very close by. And would he have said, as you did, that you were not really an American, but an Indian living in America? Or would he have said that he was an American on the day that he met you? I think he would say he, he's an American. 
Um, he was an American citizen at the time and proud of being an American citizen. I think he was a, he was a little surprised that I was still not an American citizen. And it wasn't until after we had children that I actually changed my citizenship. Mm-hmm. Because of the children? Well, what happened really was that um, we used to travel, and I've always traveled a lot. And if I, because I wasn't a U.S. citizen, I would have to get visas to travel to different countries. And it was one thing to do it for myself. But then when we were traveling as a family with young children, it just became more cumbersome. And it also, I realized after I married Ashwin that I would not be moving back and living in India, that I would be based in this country. And so it just made a lot more sense to become a U.S. citizen. And the kids were U.S. citizens. And Ashwin, of course, was a U.S. citizen. So it just made right. it made it simpler. Um, and it was, it was a tough thing for me to do because India doesn't allow for dual citizenship. So I had to give up my Indian citizenship. So it was more of a symbolic thing that was the, the obstacle for me because I still feel Indian. Um, but I held on to that, that Indian passport for as long as I could. Oh, that's very poignant. I mean, that's, I would think would be sort of the, the nightmare for an immigrant that you would hope to be sort of a citizen of two nations, but you'd end up being a citizen of neither, neither one nor the other. Yeah, there is, there is a little bit of that as well, because um, one of the things I remember from moving back to India, I spoke the language. I spoke three of the languages. I wore the clothes. I knew my way around the city where I was living. And somebody said to me, you walk like a Westerner. And that had never mm. crossed my mind. And I remember being in India feeling as if people looked at me as an imposter. And that took a oh. little getting used to. Um, but that was part of the integration process of being able to finally integrate and be proud of the fact that I am a blend of different cultures, that I'm not just one. So. Right. And I, and I think... I don't want to put words in your mouth or the mouth of any immigrant, but America just has a very big footprint in the world. Uh, you know, we meddle in foreign elections. We have a CIA that's done all kinds of things that are shady. Um, we also do, you know, great things like, you know, defeat Hitler in World War II. And, you know, but, but we've always done things in a very big way. Yes. Um, we were the nation that, you know, developed and exploded the atomic bombs. So I just think that there's an aspect of, accepting American citizenship where you're sort of at least symbolically accepting that you are a citizen of a nation that really um, sees itself as being a major, major player um, and, and has a kind of a mixed history around the world. And is that something that resonates with you at all? Was there any sort of misgivings about, you know, joining with this country that has such a big footprint? I think it was more about giving up the citizenship of where I thought I was from um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking on the citizenship of this, of the United States. Although I, I have to say that there were people in India who are quite critical of the U S and still are. And so all of a sudden you get blamed because you live there all of a sudden you're responsible for the whole country. Um, Right. It's the reverse of what happens to people here 
who come from a different country, you get you have to take on the responsibility of the country where you came from, um, which I don't think is right to do to anybody because at the end of the day, we're all individuals. Um, so, right. but I think it was harder for me to give up being a, an Indian citizen rather than take on being a U.S. citizen. And But now I feel very grateful because I feel as if, I've, I really truly believe that I've had the best of both worlds. I've been able to see different cultures, different countries, and benefit from all of these experiences, um, you know, from living in both countries and also traveling all over the place. And Andrew, I would love to talk to you forever about this topic, and I really appreciate your being willing to interview me for this but unfortunately we're running out of time so (laughs) i have to i have to say thank you so much for doing this and thank you to all the listeners for joining us today on perspectives i've been sharing my story with the help of my friend and author andrew zanton so this is dr vidisha patel your host and i look forward to being back with you next week so have a great week until next time Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.